the failure of the new Archies in 1987, it would be 12 years before Deke would try again. We are the Deke Geeks, and Marchy continues. Geeks. I'm Mark. I'm Avery. Hello. And this is the show where two friends look back through the catalogue of Deke Entertainment, a purveyor of children's television through most of the 80s and 90s and the early 2000s. Yeah. Um, this episode may sound a little bit weird compared to the usual output, and this is because we have just kind of kicked off our brand new recording setup of two separate microphones. Ooh, no longer slightly awkwardly leaning towards each other. Yeah, it's it's a bit weird doing it this way in itself because we're kind of far apart from each other. So anyway, yeah, this episode is probably going to sound a little bit different to uh, how you normally expect it to. Uh, uh, feedback is welcome. Yeah, we're still trying to kind of iron out the weird little kinks going on with this setup. Um, it's taken a while, but we finally, we think we've got it set up in such a way that it's going to work out for the better. Yes. If anything, we'll be slightly more comfortable whilst talking about terrible cartoons. Uh, but this week we're not talking about a terrible cartoon, are we? Uh, no, we're talking about a pretty decent, damn decent cartoon. Yeah, gotta it, admit. This is weird. Okay, here's the thing about this show. I like this show, as in Deep Geeks, well, far more on. when we are talking about something that is good than when something is bad. Well, obviously, because we have more to talk about because we get to gush about what we love so much. Well... Here's the thing, there is this whole genre of shows that are about, oh look, look at this terrible old tat, look how terrible it is. I mean, there is an entire um, industry built around the genre of, look at this shit. Yeah. And I don't like being part of that. We just happen to end up as part of that simply because so much of Deke Entertainment's production was cheap nasty and has not aged well at all but when we find something that's a true gem i think that's ah i just love it when we get something wonderful out of when we finally mine for the diamond yeah because i mean like as fun as the rants and everything are and it's always a good entertaining podcast when that happens it's definitely a lot more enjoyable when it's a positive uh, episode. I mean, there's n- certainly not enough like podcasts out there which are just kind of watching something and being positive about it. I mean, there's obviously the kind of marathon ones run by the fans of the show and that sort of stuff, and that's kind of what this show falls in. But then there's also things like uh, Griffin and Rachel McElroy's Wonderful, which is literally just a show where they like go... Boy, I really love Pop-Tarts. And that's the entire episode. And it's fucking great. There's not enough shows like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but so, yeah I definitely agree. Um, but can we just kind of bring it in a little bit and just kind of focus it in a bit? 
and specify that this week we have been watching Archie's Weird Mysteries. Yes, this is an eccentric little Archie spin-off from uh, 1999? Yes, I'll, I'll get you the precise amount here. October 2nd, 1999, through to February 22nd, 2000. Uh, For yeah. a series of 40 episodes, which is quite a lot. It's uh, over well, the syndication amount, which is uh, interesting. Yes. I mean, I, I it's a nice, simple um, order. I believe that's... Well, it's eight weeks of daily weekday television, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, it works quite nicely. Anyways, um, we can't really ask each other what we remember about Archie, because this being Marchie, we already covered that last week with the new Archies. Oh, God, the new Archies. And so uh, I'm going to ask, seeing as it's the theme of this show, what B-movies do you remember seeing as a kid? None. None? No, um... I have always been fucking, like, a scaredy-cat, wuss-type person, so any horror I kind of try and avoid. Although, in terms of B-movie-flavoured stuff, I distinctly remember watching and loving the hell out of Grizzly Tales for Gruesome Kids, a uh, cartoon, British cartoon, that is kind of a similar premise, but... It doesn't have the morality story behind it. It is literally just this be careful what you wish for story. I mean, that is a morality in itself. Well, I suppose. But it's much more bad things happening to kids and then the dude telling the story going, ha at the end. And that was it. Yeah, there kind of was this genre of kids B-movie-ish horror well, television. Mean, Goosebumps kind of kickstarted it all with the with the boot, Goosebumps books, didn't uh, it? Really? Possibly, yeah. I mean, I don't know it, whether it, I think. Um, well, I mean, are you afraid of the dark? Was before or after Goosebumps? It might have been around the same time, but I mean, like the thing is, is like Goosebumps kind of did kick off the whole thing of like people realizing that kids like to be scared. Goosebumps was definitely the big catalyst for it. R.L. Stein's books were um, light enough to be kid-friendly, but mm. interestingly, interesting enough to um, to actually stoke the imagination. Yeah, I mean, he has like specific kind of ways of writing them, like specifically short chapters, so that it can just be easily digested and read through. Um, just kind of making sure that it kind of keeps up a bit more of a light-hearted comic tone at times, so it's not just constantly scary all the time um and he's just kind of this colossal cult icon in a sense well not even cult but like it's just this massive colossal hit that happened in the mid 90s and it's still pretty popular today although nowhere near as much well there was the jack black movie a couple of years ago that's true there was it must be going somehow um, aside from Goosebumps and um, Are You Afraid of the Dark, I also remember, um, wasn't there an Australian one called Round the Twist? I wouldn't know that. Round the Twist was weird. Uh, there was definitely an episode in which a boy got pregnant to a dryad. Okay. Around the twist was weird. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, aside from that, 
I guess my dealings with B movies mostly uh, Mystery Science Theater three thousand. Oh, of course, of course. Uh, and um, everything filtered through the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Mm. I still have not seen the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and I don't know how I haven't done that yet. <laughs> that is one of the few like really big popular films that I've still somehow not seen, and I have no idea how. It's um. I really like the the music for the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I think everyone does. It's kind of yeah. like the, the keystone, the, the 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 main thing that kind of ties it all together is the music. Well, I mean it because it's a musical, obviously. <laughs> well, that's true. Um, quick follow up on what you said about Are You Afraid of the Dark? As it turns out, Are You Afraid of the Dark came exactly one year before the first Goosebumps book came out in ninety two. Very interesting. So I would say it's more of a coincidence. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, yes, it year. is. I can tell you it is an exact coincidence, um, simply because I have listened through a wonderful interview podcast involving uh, the history of Goosebumps that was with R.L. Stein himself uh, on the Jeff Rubin, Jeff Rubin show. Right. And uh, I believe it was largely a coincidence. He was just kind of, he was doing funny stuff largely. And then, um, oh God, I think he did one horror series of books for, like, uh, teens and stuff. That was basically just, if you move into the streets, then horrible things are going to happen to you. Oh, right. Yes, I remember. Yeah. Um, and then Goosebumps happened yes, after that. Yes, did have the, 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 that thing before Goosebumps. You're right. Honestly, the history of Goosebumps and everything is fascinating. I mean, um, you know the front covers to the original editions and all that stuff? All of the art for that was done separate to the story. So... Basically, uh, I believe Scholastic like kind of got kind of a generic kind of blurb and idea of what happens in the story from R.L. Stein. They would pass it on to the artist, and the artist would just kind of go off that blurb, and that's how the covers were made. Right. And the two people didn't meet until a release party for the TV show several <laughs> years later, which I think is just amazing. But uh, we're wildly off topic. Well. As- as we always are yeah. at this point. So let's quickly swing it back round with the history. The 1990s were a difficult time for Archie Comics. Whilst the company would continue to function happily, buoyed by the success of their Sonic the Hedgehog comics, the Archie gang themselves would find themselves quickly sliding into obscurity. Despite fun premises such as Archie 3000, Jughead's Time Police and Archie Meets the Punisher, the slice of life funnies could never hope to compete in a market filled with massive Liefeldian muscles and even bigger guns. And then in 1999 we somehow ended up with Archie's Weird Mysteries. Produced by the then Disney Odique, it saw the Archie gang facing off against a wide variety of B-movie concepts and monsters and learning an important moral in the process. The show was broadcast on the decidedly conservative leading PAX television network and ran for 40 episodes. Deke split from Disney in 2000, and Archie's Weird Mysteries was one of several series that would not survive the transition. Production on the show ceased immediately, and the show was quickly shuffled into syndication across America. So yes, Archie's Weird Mysteries. This one is a bit of a strange one in terms of its creation, seeing as we couldn't really find very much information on it, hence why the history section was so short this time round. Yeah, I mean, I can only assume that it came bundled with um, the rights for Sabrina the Teenage Witch. 
I mean, that would definitely make sense, considering it's around at the same time. And um, considering that the it ended up on a rather conservative-leaning channel, I would say that nobody was interested in picking it up except for PAX. Which is honestly a shame, because I kind of think this is better than Sabrina the Animated Series, in a way. Uh, yeah, completely. For one thing, they're not trying to shoehorn Melissa Joan Hart into it. Well, yes. <laughs> but also, it's just better written. Yeah, It's absolutely. not just the kind of Sabrina, but it's more cartoon antics. It's Archie, but thrown into various B-movie plots. Yeah, I mean, a lot of this, I believe, comes from the Disney influence. Hmm. Because uh, whilst this doesn't have a sh- obvious show lead... Um, <clears throat> A lot of Deke programs, you can say, this person is the creator of it, this person was the person who directed how the show went, and because this is an Archie thing, all of those rights retain are retained by Archie comics, and therefore the control over the cartoon itself is a bit nebulous, but there are a bunch of basically Disney Toon guys uh, working on the uh, script editing department, mm. Uh, mm. including a guy who worked on DuckTales and was the writer for the uh, a Goofy movie. Yeah. That it's, it's, is, it's a movie that I quite enjoy, to be honest. It's considered both a piece of 90s trash and quite well regarded. It's a pretty good movie. What's also nice about this one is that they haven't taken the liberties that they took with the new Arches. Mm. This is... Aside from the B-movie theming, a very traditional Archie series. Oh yeah, I mean, it's just it's literally just regular Archies, but thrown into plots, as I said before. There's not really anything changed about the characters. They are still themselves. Jokehead is still Jokehead. Archie is still this kind of, like, generic, slightly go-getting man, you know? Yeah, the, the good-hearted, brave... Um... The one that everyone likes. Yes. Hence why this show is named after him. Yeah, I mean, well, he's, yes. He's there to be, an, I suppose, an avatar for little boys. Yeah, I guess so. He's the one you should aspire to be in the group. Mm. There's still the Veronica and Betty um, and Archie love triangle. Yeah. Uh, which comes up explicitly in this. Uh, not explicitly, as in explicit. It's part of the plot. Yes. Which is kind of weird, considering uh, how um, weirdly polyamorous Archie is. I think, I I don't know much Archie, but I think Kevin Keller actually pointed this out when he came out to Jughead. Yeah, yeah. It's just the the punchline of that scene is, I'm gay, what's their deal? (laughs) (laughs) Reggie gets a much better deal out of this one than he did out of uh, the new Archies, where he was just this eternal villain. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, got a lot more character and personality to him. I mean, he's a bit nuance. of an arsehole. He's got more nuance to him. Yes, he's the wisecracking arsehole slash... I suppose he's sort of Archie's rival. In a sense, I, I think he's kind of like the the kid that kind of plays up the badness factor, but it, deep down inside he cares a lot about his friends. Otherwise, he wouldn't be hanging out with them in the first place. Yeah, exactly. You... It is a lot more believable in this one that uh, Reggie is a person that will be hanging around with this group. Yes. As much as he is a dick. Yes, indeed. Yeah, I've been there. I've been that person. So, 
as we say, we've got the basic Archie gang, and then we throw them into concepts that are pure B-movie. I mean, case in point, the first episode is one uh, a, that's just a play on Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Yes, Attack of the Killer Spuds, uh, in which um, Jughead is becoming a bit of a couch potato, and after he wins a competition... By uh, watching a TV marathon of B-movies, no less... Of course, <laughs> got to get the theming in somewhere. Well, yeah. Uh, he uh, is taken over by an alien potato from outer space, which is hidden in the disguise of a trophy that yeah, he picks up from is the just TV a potato. station. Yes, it's it's. I mean, it's a good it's a good fun opening episode. Yes, for sure. We've seen a lot of these cartoons where the opening episode was dull. Yeah, it's it's definitely one that gets you like it kind of drags you in it draws you in very quickly and it um it sets a good baseline mm. which is b-movie schlock yes and it's like it's not really well it is a parody of it obviously but it really leans into it it really shows this kind of deep love and interest in these types of movies oh absolutely i mean it's, it's clearly uh... written by like a group of folks who like are clearly like mst3k nerds and stuff it would have been far too easy to have a series where Archie fights the Wolfman, Archie fights Frankenstein's monster, Archie fights the creature from the Black Lagoon, except without that name, because I think that one's actually still within copyright. Whoops. Um, I mean, yeah, that's definitely a thing. I mean, well, it was kind of a thing in the comics for a while, wasn't it? I mean... Archie meets the Punisher. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a bit of a different thing. That that was an oddity. Um, but no, I mean, it would have been very easy to, without any idea of what B-movies are like, fall straight into the trappings of the Universal Monsters. Because mm. that's what everyone knows. Mm. Uh, except that kids would never have actually seen any of these movies. Yeah. And I don't think kids would ever have seen Attack of the Killer Tomatoes either. No. But starting out with trauma kind of shows you having a reasonable awareness yeah, of, for sure. um, of just this schlock horror genre. So what other episodes did we watch? Uh, well, there was the second episode, Driven to Distraction. And uh, yes. <laughs> in which Archie pays a abnormal amount of attention to his car, uh, gets himself a nice little pair of fuzzy dice to hang up above the uh, wing mirror uh, from a suspiciously um suddenly appearing uh, mystical shop uh called something like um the emporium of knickknacks oddities and hard lessons yeah that was it <laughs> something along those this lines leans straight into it yeah <laughs> trappings it's great for how it does it and uh oh no the fuzzy dice turns his car into a sentient psychopathic overprotective girlfriend yes to the point that it's trying to actively kill all of Archie's friends so that Archie only has the car. Yes, while shouting at him. Obviously, here it's borrowing from Stephen King and from... Uh, it is mostly Stephen King that writes books about homicidal cars, isn't it? I wouldn't know. I don't look into horror. Um, I mean, there's definitely multiple Stephen King movies about homicidal vehicles. Okay. It's one of his trappings. Great. But uh, it's also quite interesting because the morals in this are both don't spend ridiculous amounts of time on one thing. Material objects. On material stuff. objects um, causing you to neglect your friendships. 
but also abusive relationships. They're yeah. not good. Yeah. Um, I, before we go on to discussing the next episode, I just forgot I really have to importantly, this is important to mention, every episode, the way it starts is brilliant because it starts with a, um, like a proper kind of movie poster with the title and like a, a special made bit of art on it that you only see in the intro bit. And there's like incredibly like Jim Cummings wannabe kind of dude like dramatically exclaims the title and describes what's going to happen in the episode as a kind of a teaser for it yeah the episode teasers are fun it's so good it's like the most perfectly fitting thing it's very weird how it doesn't uh, bookend yeah it has kind of a it has I mean each episode starts with that but ends with Archie writing his Archie's weird mystery column for the local newspaper or for the school newspaper, I'm never quite sure which. Uh, <laughs> giving kind of a first-person explanation of the moral. Yeah. And the two are kind of at odds with each other as what the framing device is, but... To be honest, the rest of it is just like such a fun adventure that I don't think I really yeah, care. Yeah, it doesn't really. Um... The rest of the cartoon honestly makes up for that one little error. Well, they... they... Well, what it is, they want their classic um, horror movie ridiculous trailer uh, moment, but they also want their Rod Sailing style in a little place called The Twilight Zone at the end of each episode. Yeah. uh, Which they have with um, uh, in a little town called Riverdale. Yeah. And it works. It's nice. But yes, um, every episode ends with a moral, which apparently is enough for it to uh, class as educational <laughs> yeah, programming. Yeah. yeah, somehow it meets the F- FCC's um, guidelines for educational informational programming, which I don't... I mean, it's barely enough, isn't it, really? Uh, it's, if it follows I mean, the guidelines, the it thing follows is, the guidelines. The best thing about it really shows how shit these guidelines are, because the educational slash informational part of it is so well hidden within this beautiful love of B-movie <laughs> plots and stuff. Like, it's barely even noticeable. You wouldn't even, like, notice it. Although, then again, maybe that's the sign of a good guideline working, yeah. in that well, it's um, teaching the kids good morals while... Less a matter of the good guideline, like, hiding the it. good than just the good writing. Yeah, it's just really well of good writing. I mean, here's the thing. A lot of horror movies work on the basis of a moral. I mean, in what's your traditional slasher flick? You kill off the... Um, well, obviously, you kill the black guy first. But after that, it's about uh, you r- remain... Un- everyone gets killed off until you're left with the goody-goody two-shoes virgin. Or the main character. Who is the goody-goody two-shoes virgin? Good point. <laughs> it's always about purity with those things. I mean, the only the better a person you are, the longer you last. In it's the only film. slasher film I've actually seen is Unfriended. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> Which I I like Unfriended. It's silly. It's silly, but it's actually a pretty decent horror movie. It's it's unrealistic, but... I love that social media horror movie is now a genre. Yes, it's great. There are so many of them now. <laughs> they keep making more, and they're never good. Speaking of uh, Unfriended, actually, um, they are apparently making a sequel to that movie, and it's basically going to be, I think, like a kid buys a used laptop, but then, oh no, Spooky Ghost, who previously owned the laptop, wants it back. Ha. Huh. And that doesn't sound anything like the original premise. Well, yeah, no, it doesn't and even... kind of wrecks the title. 
yeah, it doesn't really make much sense, and I don't quite understand what's going to happen. It's going to be interesting to find out, yeah. but I have no idea how they're going to go for that. For that. Instead, like I had a far better idea for a sequel to Unfriended, and it was primarily based around home assistants. So your Amazon <laughs> Alexa and Google Home and that sort of stuff. I mean, especially with the recent news of Alexa's just randomly choosing to laugh and like like just doing just random cackles in the middle of the night unprompted. Yeah, apparently it was just picking up from garbage noise. Please laugh. It's it's really bizarre. And the response had for please laugh had no um anything before it. They've they've changed it now so that if you say Alexa please laugh, they say okay beforehand before laughing, rather yeah. than just giggling yeah. randomly, creepily, in the middle of the night, just before you go to bed. But yes, the, 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 I just kind of feel the... Uh, I mean, it's a bit Black Mirror, but I mean, their, their, their thing on <laughs> home if, assistance was actually putting yourself into it, rather yeah. than uh, just having like a rogue AI home assistant... Slowly picking off everyone in your house. Yes. The killer is, is in less, the home. Um, what if home assistants but too much? Yeah, but back on to what we were on about. Oh yeah, Archie's Weird Mysteries. <laughs> Episode 3, uh, Me, 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 in which Veronica displays her usual self of she's being fucking lazy and spoiled and uh, wishes that everyone else in the world was more like her. Uh, i.e. kind of self-centred entitled fuck and um, the result of this is that everyone slowly starts acting more like Veronica to the point that eventually they just become clones of Veronica I think I've seen this on DeviantArt yeah I, I, I maybe yeah I think perhaps just I along mean, the lines I of skirting boards I wasn't really trying to read between the lines but there's a lot of things that seem a bit fetishistic in this uh, series. It's almost as if it's a Deke cartoon. Almost as if it's a Deke cartoon about B-movies. Yeah. Almost as if B-movies I mean, have that fetishistic flair about them yeah, regardless. Yeah. I mean, the, the constriction. kind of genre the that's just the episode. channel for alternative fetishes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Probably best not to think too much about it. Of course. Um, there is an episode that uh, just has a 40 foot um, Veronica. Veronica yeah it's always Veronica why is it always Veronica I, I don't know no. so yeah apart from the um, well yeah apart from that factor of it um, this episode was pretty good mainly because the ending sequence involved Veronica having to go to a museum to find the artifact which activated this wish in the first place a museum which for some reason recreated the entire chamber in which this artifact was found in including the death traps yeah and i mean like we're not sure if the death traps are real or not i presume they are well my head kind of detail, is that they're not and the entire it's just a dad assault final course. scene was just <laughs> veronica going over an assault course that looks good yeah it's just Go on, Dad. Take your shot on it. Let's watch. Let's watch Dad snuff it on the on the foam spike pits. Go on, lad. Hey. Oh God. Total wipeout, Riverdale. <laughs> to be honest, total wipeout would be a lot more fun if they used things that look deadly. It'd be Takeshi's castle. True. Although they probably would. Well, deadly. no, because Takeshi's castle isn't really. Oh well, I suppose. 
Takeshi's Castle has a good way of have it has obstacle courses and assault courses that look like they're painful when you fail it like stepping stones for example yes. when someone slams into those that looks fucking painful as all hell or when someone does the splits on high rollers yeah it's you hard know. to tell whether they are actually painful or not in Takeshi's Castle yeah but it looks it and that's the most important part yeah. to it whereas everything is so clearly foam in Wipeout uh, episode 10 virtually evil yeah, this Which one. is a fun virtual reality episode. Because it's the 90s. You've got to have a virtual reality episode oh, in the yeah. 90s. Lawnmower Man is hot. Lawnmower Man was never hot. <laughs> Come on. Lawnmower Man was a flop. How <laughs> nah. did Lawnmower Man 2 get released? <laughs> it, was a, it was such a hot jam. It was, everyone was talking about it, man. It even got a SNES game. Everything got a SNES game. That's true. Home Improvement got a SNES game. But anyway, this is your traditional, um, everyone goes into VR thing. Uh, Archie gets really, really overcompetitive. For some reason. That's never actually an, an explained factor of it. Uh, well, it's the Archie-Reggie rivalry. I suppose, but I mean, I, I wouldn't have thought Archie would go this excessive. And I was totally, oh, I was watching this expecting there to be a specified reason for it, like, oh, the, the VR helmets have done something to him or something like that. But no, it's just Archie being a dick for no good reason. Yeah, and the twist is the aliens escape from the VR. Yeah. I can't remember how they fixed that. I can't. Huh. It was definitely a weaker episode. Yeah, definitely. And the only other one we watched was... Episode 14, Monster in the Night. So, this episode entails a kind of startup energy drink company called Zoom, uh, which just kind of pops up in Riverdale at random. They start giving out free samples of their drinks to just random people in the mall, but as it turns out, this initial recipe of the energy drink has this weird kind of genetic mutation in it that affects like approximately one in like a billion different people. And when drunk, it turns the people into monsters, just inexplicably. And a temporary change. Archie yeah, temporary change. And some sports dude. Yeah, just some random old dude. And um, once he figures this out, he tries to tell the old sports dude about it. And they're like, I don't know, it's it's not real. And then it's like, between you and me, yeah, it is real. But they paid me off a shitload of money, so. I don't really care. So Archie complains directly to the company and just they, they kind of brush him off saying, well, well, well that's nothing. It's not even him complaining. It's his, him saying, I'm going to shut you down. All oh, right, yeah. Remember the name Archie Andrews, he says. And the boss is listening back to it. just like, oh, I trying to shut me down. Really. Yeah, we'll see about that. And that ends up resulting in the boss just on his own without any hired goons, no security guards or anything, just him coming to Archie's house and saying, hey, that's, like, we've kind of fixed the whole energy drink thing. Like, you've got the last bottle that has this problematic mixture in it. Like, can, like, can we just kind of come to an arrangement, like, I'll give you some money if you just, like, give us that and then we'll just be good? Like, we've fixed it. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with the energy drink now. And uh, Archie's just staunchly getting like, no, I'm going to reveal the truth. I'm going to shut you phonies down and... There's a big fight, I guess. Not really a big it's fight. More it's more chasing. Yeah, more of a just light kerfuffle. And Archie runs into the bathroom, drinks some of the drink, and becomes a monster and runs off now, having gained more control and memories of it after the third time, 
which uh, and he runs off towards this um, big release party kind of thing happening at the headquarters. It's like, oh, the brand new headquarters in Riverdale are generating hundreds of new jobs. Uh, it's like all on TV and he gets there. The monster effect wears off right as he gets to the gate. Somehow the boss dude caught up to him quickly along with uh, Betty, Betty and um, Jughead. Oh, Jughead. Yeah. To be fair, they would have been travelling in a car, whereas he would have been running. That's true. But, I mean, like, oh, you weren't at home, so we guessed this was the next place. Which is like, oh, okay. Um, And so, like, the boss kind of pleads to Archie, saying, like, oh, well, please don't, please don't reveal it. Like, we've sorted it out. You're going to shut down hundreds of jobs, and it's going to be bad for Riverdale. And in the end, he decides not to reveal it, saying well, that it's a good drink Yeah, on that's TV. basically the twist. The yeah. twist is that Archie was so desperate to um, to have a story that would show him as a great monster hunter that he became a monster himself. To capitalism. Uh, well, no. <laughs> well, almost, no. almost. Capitalism is kind of shown as the good thing in this. Well, yeah, well, no, he was the monster to capitalism because oh, he yeah, was going to yeah. disrupt the uh, industry until deciding, nah. And I, the thing I don't get, <laughs> considering this is the like, last bottle with the genome problem in it, in it whatever... Instead of giving it to the boss smartly so that he can destroy it properly, he just puts it behind his back and just squeezes it out onto the floor behind him. Yeah. Which, A, it's that's symbolic. littering. It's symbolic. Yeah, but B, literally any other, like, insect or animal is going to drink that up. What happens if that, if that, if they end up getting caused by the genetic mutation then? More weird mysteries? Oh, I guess so. <laughs> because it's a big twist it's like Archie you fuckhead it's your fault you spilt it what are you doing you would have also thought the TV crew would have noticed considering there's a big light on them and the camera right in front of them like, Archie is standing with his legs slightly apart and I'm like sir you're, you appear to be dripping green liquid from your arse in the uh, in the the most photogenic part of the um, the production the entire area uh, the release party the bins yeah yeah that was also strange what the fuck but it was a pretty solid episode regardless oh yes totally yeah i just everything about this was just really enjoyable and fun it's, to watch it's a genuinely good cartoon it's just it's this incredibly fun loving silly cartoon that just shows its outward love and appreciation for shit movies and it it's likes Archie beautiful. and it likes bad movies what better way to what better thing to do than to just smash yeah. them together to be quite honest so how would we go about remaking this in 2018 to be honest i think it's perfectly serviceable as it is now um i i would quite yeah. I, I would honestly just rerun it i mean yeah maybe commission as, a second season yeah i mean as uh, cartoons that we've done go this one is definitely one that's aged well for sure for sure i mean it helps that aside from the vr episode well look vr's not, back not, baby not every season is gonna be perfect um, but it's it's fun because it yeah. stands as this kind of totem of what people thought of vr would be like in I mean, the 90s aside from that well, late 90s uh the only thing that's telling you that this was made in the late 90s mm. is that Archie has a basically a Toshiba satellite laptop. 
Just this big old bulky yeah. grey laptop. Uh, everything else is just the traditional Archie 50s aesthetic. They use the word, um, is it malt shop? Completely unironically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Hey, Ed, that's that's what Pop Tates is. Yeah, that's true. It is. So, the um, other question. Where are we ranking this? Hold on, hold on. We haven't, oh, sorry, we haven't, sorry, you got more. We haven't remade oh. this in t- 2018 yet. Well, I mean, that's the thing. My remake was just rerun it. But here's the thing. Archie isn't like this anymore. That's true. It's not. Archie is now a considerably more modern uh Well, I mean, dep- depending on where you look at it, it's either this wonderfully dark thing... I, oh, shit, it's just Riverdale. It's just Riverdale 2018, isn't it? <laughs> ah, fuck. Ah, shit, it's already been done. Uh, right, yeah. Damn um, it. That is a, a weird mystery story, yeah. aren't you? Ah, fuck. Ha. Ah, god damn it. They've already been us to the punch. I don't know. I mean, I... I no don't... wonder we're not writers. <laughs> no, no, I think, I think you could just remake this but with more modern-ish uh, horror concepts. No, you couldn't because modern, modern horror concepts are considerably more violent. Yes, that's... Yeah. And yeah. nobody wants to see Saw with the Archie gang. <laughs> I do, but I mean, you know... I, it would be that would it, be one hell of a morality lesson. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, it would be more separating Jughead from his burgers. I was thinking more kind of... Give up the burgers, Jughead! <laughs> I'm thinking more like Veronica having to get herself out of some weird trap to teach her to not be reliant on other people so much. Oh my god, and the way she does it, she has to break a nail. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is a considerably lower down, like, toned I down sort of... Well, I mean, this is how you would do it. In... It's definitely... It would, it would work. She has but, to break it with a nail. <laughs> and a hammer. <laughs> there you go. Now we're back onto regular saw levels. <laughs> oh, boy. No, I mean, there's not much you can do to this because it already is a functional, enjoyable series. Yes. Uh, thank goodness it's all on YouTube. Uh, aside from that, there's a um, Mill Creek DVD. Yeah, there is a... There was a... Complete season DVD that got put out, uh, kind of more closer to when it was finished and stuff, uh, kind of like 2005 era or whatever, but was recently re released by them, uh, and with a different j- cover jacket. Um, and you can get it for like 20 bucks, yeah, if you're in America right now. A bit more if you're over here. The cheapest one I saw was on eBay, and that was like for 15 16 quid. That's still um, pretty good for a uh, yeah, 40 I'd, I'd, episode season. Yeah, I'd probably still pay that much for it to be honest because this is just a really great show. Yeah. Um speaking about how great it is, where are we going to put it on the ranking list? Ooh, this this one's going to go high. It's got to. I'm going to say top 5. Uh what have I'm we got in the top 5? Well, at number 1 we've got Where's Wally. Okay. Uh number 2 is uh, Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog. Okay. Number 3 is Legend of Sarmoti, Secret and Road. I think right. it probably is better than Legend of Sarmoti. Number four is Gadget. Yeah, it's better than Gadget. So we're going to say number three, huh? Hmm. Well, it's a matter of, is it better than um, Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog? So, you know... Uh, Which would you rather watch? 
the thing this is, it's a very difficult question because they're so very different. Yeah, because like Weird Mysteries has a storyline and a plot. It's one where you need to kind of concentrate on it and be kind of prepared to sit down through this silly schlock fest. Whereas Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog is this kind of it's cartoon antics, but it's cartoon antics done in the best way it possibly can with the most beautiful, fluid animation style and. It's very, I wouldn't say it was beautiful, but I would say... It's a it gorgeous was, animation style. I'd say it was ugly, but stylistically so. Well, it, yeah, well, I mean... It is, it's a. It's an art style that uses the... Um, I mean, I call Nidhogg 2 beautiful. And well, that yeah, thing is stylistically ugly in such a wonderful way. The animation... I love the animation in Nidhogg 2 because it's just so <laughs> subtle. The little yeah. facial changes as you're moving about and attacking and stuff. It's just... Kind of it's like, weird, once you notice it, it's incredible. Kind of this weird, ugly 16-bit plasticine. Like. Yeah, it's so good. But, um... Like, Adventures is like this wonderfully bouncy, kind of rubbery, kind of almost rubber hose, but not quite rubber hose style. It's, it's like adjacent to it. It's not quite as excessive as Rubber Hose yeah, is, but it's still going on. Yeah, it's still very bouncy. It's still got like a lot of animation smears going on in it and stuff like that. And it's just this kind of fun relaxed kind of cartoon that you can watch and laugh at because it's just this really goofy thing that fits Sonic the Hedgehog beautifully. It's like the most perfect thing for him because it's not taking itself seriously at all. <laughs> and it's got fucking... Um, Long John Baldry just shouting That's in the true. most wonderful voice. I mean, that 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 show is all about the Long John Baldry. It very much is. He's just honestly the best voice actor for yeah. Robotnik. I think you're right. I think Adventures might be better than this. Yeah. I mean, it's... Well, I mean, I wasn't really making a case for either of them. I was comparing the two, oh, but... Oh, yes, yes. Whereas, I think, like, yeah. when it comes down to just kind of sitting back and watching something... I would probably go for the more chilled back one, whereas one where you kind of have to prepare yourself in such a way that it is like watching a cut down B movie in itself. Yeah, in a sense, that's fair. So I mean, that's like Weird Mysteries is one to kind of kick back with a friend to and just like enjoy because it's like this wonderful B movie style thing. Like, you can tell all the love goes into it, but it still feels like a good B-movie, yeah. regardless. It also doesn't help its case that it's got the very... Um, the rigid uh, late 90s, early 2000s deck animation style. Yeah. Well, I mean, that works in Archie's case, because that works with just the generic Archie art style. Yes. But at the same time, it's still not great. It's a bit... It's um, generic. It's a bit harsh, the colour. Yeah. Do you reckon it was digitally coloured? Yes. I'm going to say yes. Yeah. Like, it's it's about period appropriate for that kind of stuff to start kind of being popular, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the comic books... Late 90s, early 2000s. Now, I can't say if it's better or worse than Sam Moti, because the thing is, I can't really remember that much about it. Um, as good as that was, it's a very forgettable cartoon. Yeah, I mean, it was a three-part... I think the only reason why we put it so highly was because we remember enjoying it thoroughly because we were pleasantly surprised at how good it was. But at the same time, looking back to it now... I mean, I remember quite a bit of it. It was just a fun fantasy adventure. Yeah. But as you say, it's very disposable. Yeah. They all are, ultimately. (laughs) 
So, I think, yeah, I think I'm going to go with you. Number three. Yeah, number three. Number three on the chart. Fucking hell. It's been a while since we've had such a high-ranking thing before. Jeez. That's nice. We barely get to have such a lovely high-ranking cartoon. I love it when we get to talk about nice things. So there you go. In at number three on the ranking chart, Archie's Weird Mysteries. So that's just about it for this week. If you enjoyed this episode, then give us a little rating on iTunes if you use it. Tell your friends. Do a little subscribe if you're not done already. And be sure to check out our other stuff on MostlyCobalts.com. That's MostlyCobalts.com. So what's next week, Mark? Well, next week, we continue with Marchie as we go to Riverdale and back.